welcome to the Retirement Made Easy podcast, a show created to be your go-to source for straightforward retirement advice. Best of all, it is presented in a language that you can understand. Are you ready for some straight talk on retirement planning without all the fluff? Well, you found the right podcast. Here's your host, certified financial planner, Greg Gonzalez. Welcome to another episode of the Retirement Made Easy podcast. I'm Greg Gonzalez. This is episode number 154. As we're kind of wrapping up the year 2023, I thought it would be a good idea to do all of our listeners' favorite episodes, which is Q&A. We get a lot of Q&A, a lot of questions, not only from podcast listeners going to our website, retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. Boy, that's a mouthful to say, retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. But it's where you can submit your questions to the podcast. You can also email me, of course. A lot of people do email me that aren't clients, and I love hearing from them. And you'll notice at the bottom of the website, it says, ask Greg a question. Don't be shy. Don't be bashful. Submit your questions. Because what I have found is very few people will pick up the phone and call. I'm one of those people that I like to talk on the phone. Some people like to text, some people like to email, and that's all fine and dandy. We all have different methods, preferred methods of communication. But on our website, retirementmadeeasypodcast.com, when we put in that section of the website for people to just type in and submit their questions, the amount of inquiries and questions and people reaching out, it went up substantially from people that were emailing and calling. Very, very few people will pick up the phone and call and try to ask me a question about their retirement. So I encourage other people that might have their own websites, if you put a box in there, a form where people can submit a question, it's very, very non-confrontational to just submit a question, very easy, very painless, to just type in your question and hit submit. And you hear back in 24 hours is what we try to shoot for. And again, that's based on our experience and really what has worked and people's preferences. They'd rather just submit a question without picking up the phone and calling. So again, if you have questions, that's what that section of the website is there for. It's a very, very easy way to get help without needing to talk to somebody on the phone. So let's jump into as many questions as we can get through today. Some of the answers are going to be shorter than others. So I'll try to keep this concise so we can cover as many questions as we possibly can today. One of the questions, this is a fantastic question. This was submitted from Jenny. For privacy reasons, of course, we don't use people's last names. Even if they include it in their question, we don't include their last name on the podcast. So Jenny submitted this question saying that she's a couple months out from retirement. What are some things that she should be looking at? She's kind of getting uneasy about this decision, but what are five things that she should be looking at as she prepares for this retirement date? This is a great question, Jenny. I mean, this is one of the best questions I've received in a long, long time. So of course, if you're working with a retirement planner, you're going to want to go to them and say, hey, I'm a little uneasy here. Let's update my retirement plan and make sure we're not missing anything. The market has really gone wild this last quarter of the year. So probably the figures that you used in the last version of your retirement plan, those will need to be amended. 
But some things to kind of consider. Of course, so number one, contact your retirement planner. Say, hey, it's time to fine tune and update my retirement plan now that I'm on the doorstep of retirement. Next thing I would be looking at is, okay, health insurance. How's that going to change once you retire? Jenny did not mention that in her question, but maybe her spouse is still working and can cover her for health insurance now that she's not working. Maybe she's 65 and she's eligible for Medicare. Maybe she's going to utilize COBRA or maybe it's Obamacare, but making sure I understand my health insurance and how that's going to change in retirement, that would be top of mind. Next, I would be looking at whether you're going to get paid out on vacation and sick days. Different employers have different policies. I would also look to kind of fine tune your retirement income game plan for next year for 2024 Assuming you're going to be retiring in the first part of 2024, well, you're going to want to say, okay, what does my retirement income look like? Is it social security? Is it a pension? When are those going to start? If you've got a pension, have you filled out your pension claiming paperwork correctly? Same thing for social security. Have you gone onto the website? Have you booked an appointment with social security? Will you start drawing retirement income from your retirement nest egg of retirement accounts, Roth IRAs, 401ks, those kinds of accounts that were earmarked to fund your retirement and come up with a game plan to say, okay, am I going to be taking withdrawals every other week or once a month? What does that look like? And then also on top of that taxes, what kind of tax withholding are you going to have? Are you just going to pay quarterly estimates on your taxes, or are you going to just withhold taxes from your social security, pension income, and IRA or 401k withdrawals? How are taxes going to be accounted for? And next, I mean, I could go all day on this, but also I would want to look at say, okay, my monthly expenses in retirement. Again, I would want to be real, real clear on what that looks like. Again, fixed expenses versus discretionary expenses like traveling and leisure and that kind of stuff. So redoing your budget might be a very, very good idea in these months leading up to retirement because it gives you the confidence that, okay, this is going to work out. So if you've run your numbers correctly, you've got enough money, you've got enough resources to fund your retirement. That just kind of gives you reassurance. And then lastly, looking at the things that might change upon retirement. Are you going to roll over your 401k and is that going to be managed outside of the 401k platform or is it going to be left there? What about your emergency fund? Do you have an adequate, what we call bucket number one, as an emergency fund going into retirement? A lot of people forget about that, but that's something that you would want to look at. So Jenny, very, very good question. Fantastic question. Thank you for submitting that. And I hope that helps. This next question was submitted from Sam. Sam says, Greg, on a previous episode, you talked about the risks or dangers of having actively managed mutual funds inside of a brokerage account. I'm not sure I understand what you were trying to explain. I have mutual funds in a brokerage account. I don't see the big danger and the big risk here. Can you please explain more? Thank you, Sam. This is a good question, and I forget what episode I even talked about this, but I have, in the years and years and years that I have been helping people plan for a successful retirement, I have had the great fortune of seeing where people go wrong. And one of these instances 
is when people go into retirement with actively managed mutual funds inside of a non-retirement account. Sometimes people have a trust account. Again, that's a non-retirement account. It's not a Roth IRA. It's not a IRA or a 401k. It is account that is all after-tax money. And by investing in these actively managed mutual funds, a lot of times what that means is the mutual fund portfolio manager will be buying and selling and buying and selling. And a lot of times what this does is it kicks off capital gains. And we have, as a mutual fund shareholder, you have no say in the capital gains that might be kicked off in a certain year. And when you have these very, very sizable non-retirement accounts, what happens is, is you'll run into instances where the capital gain tax bill will cause things to happen, like you pay unnecessary capital gains taxes in retirement. And also your Medicare Part B premium could go way, way up. I've seen this over and over again. Somebody's Medicare Part B premium jumps up because they, again, own these actively managed mutual funds, which cause them to have these unruly capital gain tax bills, all because, again, these mutual funds kicked off this huge capital gain and none of the mutual fund shareholders were expecting this and there's nothing they could do about it. So the lesson here is if you want to own those actively managed mutual funds that are constantly buying and selling and they're turn what they call turnover. So if it's 100% turnover ratio, that means that every year they're selling everything and buying new. So a lower turnover, a 0% turnover means they're keeping everything that they had last year, kind of like a buy and hold. So it's more tax efficient and it allows you to control your taxes in retirement, or at least have more control over your taxes in retirement. So this is a great question, Sam. I'm glad you submitted that. And sorry, in my explanation in a previous episode, might have been a little confusing. But my lesson here or the takeaway, it's this simple. I am not saying that these actively managed mutual funds are bad investments. I'm not going to take that argument. I'm not going to tell anybody listening to this podcast what specifically to buy or invest in. That's not the point here, right? I don't know anything about your specific situation or your retirement vision, and therefore I cannot tell you exactly how to invest your retirement nest egg. But what I can tell you is from a tax standpoint, if you're going to own these actively managed mutual funds, please own them inside of a Roth IRA, an IRA, something like that, where these capital gains won't crush you but I'm not going to tell you not to own them. Just look at what account you own them in. I think you'll be a lot better off. Sam, I hope that helps. The next question comes from Ben. Ben types in, this is an Ask Greg a question on retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. Greg, enjoy the podcast. My father is working with an advisor. He has worked with him for over 20 years and highly recommended this advisor. I have sent him two emails and left two voicemails, and I have yet to hear back. I know advisors like yourself must be very, very busy. What is a better way to get in touch with him? Ben, thanks for your question. This is a tough one because every advisor is different. What I will say is the lack of response from this advisor seems to be unprofessional. If somebody leaves me a voicemail, 
I try my darndest to get back to somebody within 24 hours. And if I cannot personally get back with somebody, I have one of my team members get back with them. So I would be a little concerned that this person's not getting back with you in a timely manner. Maybe he's not accepting new clients. I don't know what the case is. If you are adamant about working with this advisor, this particular advisor, I would just have your dad call this person, this individual, and say, hey, I would like to schedule a meeting with myself and my son, Ben, and schedule the meeting that way. This is just me, Ben. Customer service means a lot in any business, and I tell this to my team all the time. I'm like a broken record. Customer service should be our top priority. Our clients count on us, and we're here to exceed their expectations. That doesn't mean calling somebody back in a week. So again, I would have your dad call. I would stop calling. I wouldn't continue to leave voicemails and send emails to this person because that doesn't seem to be getting the response that you're looking for. So Ben, I hope that helps. Next question comes from Danny. Danny asks, Greg, I've got an ex-wife. I was married to her for 15 years. When I start my pension, she's going to get 50% of it. If she files her spousal social security benefit, Will it hurt my social security benefit? I want to make sure every dollar counts. As a result of our divorce, she got half of my 401k and I'm still making up ground. Thanks. Okay, so what he's talking about here is like with a 401k, whatever your divorce decree says, how the assets are divvied up or split up, it will say in there very specifically that 50% of the 401k went to the ex-spouse and bank accounts and all the different assets. There will be nothing in there about social security because the rules are on ssa.gov. You can read about them. So your ex, since you were married 10 years or longer and you got divorced, as long as your ex did not remarry before their 60th birthday, they are entitled to spousal and survivor benefits, which are equate to up to 50% of your benefit at full retirement age. So if your benefit at full retirement age was $3,000, when your ex-spouse turns their full retirement age, they will get half of that or $1,500. So that spousal benefit, even though they're an ex-spouse, since they were married to you for over 10 years, 10 years or more, they are entitled to that same spousal benefit as if you were still married today. So if your ex-spouse claims that spousal benefit, it will actually not reduce your benefit whatsoever. In fact, they don't need to let you know. You don't have the ability to approve or deny them claiming their spousal benefit. In fact, your ex-spouse does not have to wait until you claim your benefit for them to be eligible for their spousal benefit. Now, if you were still married, those rules would be different. Your ex-spouse would have to wait for you to collect for them to be eligible for their spousal benefit. So to answer your question, my friend, your ex-spouse and that person claiming their spousal benefit on your earnings record will not decrease, it will not help or hurt your social security benefit whatsoever. So I would not worry about your ex-spouse and the benefit that they may or may not receive because their own earnings record may be high enough that the spousal benefit may never even come into play to begin with. So it's just not going to impact you. 
So good question, though. I know a lot of people are concerned about that. The next question comes from Lewis. Lewis asks, Greg, I'm going to be retiring next year and I'm looking for help with investing my 401k. I've been reaching out to financial advisors that I think could help me. And one of them is Fisher Investments. What do you know about them? Do you think they are good? Lewis, my mother taught me a long time ago, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything. And that's what I'm going to do, Lewis. I hope that helps. Next question comes from Joanne. Joanne asks about long-term care. Greg, love the podcast. I would love to hear your thoughts on long-term care. How do we begin to pay for this? My mother is in assisted living and it costs us almost $10,000 per month. Should we buy long-term care insurance? Should we self-fund? How do we do it? Thanks, Joanne. So Joanne, this is a fantastic question. This is why I picked your question. So feel proud. This is really, really good. This is a question that you need to address as you're planning for a successful retirement. What I have done is I have looked at all the statistics as far as end-of-life planning. And a lot of times people call that long-term care planning. So meaning independent living or assisted living in those final years of our lives when a lot of times we need care and and care is expensive. So do we look at long-term care insurance, purchasing that? And by purchasing that, you may be paying a premium year after year after year. Or do you buy paid up long-term care insurance? And in that way, you wouldn't have an annual premium It's just a one-time expense. Or do you self-fund this risk, meaning you build up a pot of money that's earmarked for those expenses down the road? We don't know what they're going to be. We don't know how long we might need that care. Or are we going to need that care at all? There's a much higher percentage of men that don't end up needing that care. Or if they need that care at the end of their life, they don't need it very long. So that's why you see long-term care insurance premiums being higher for females than for males, because women are more statistically more inclined to need the care and need it longer. Also looking at, okay, could we sell our home and use that as a quasi long-term care policy or long-term care funding? Sometimes mom and dad will sell their home and use the proceeds from the sale of their home to help pay for that care. So we look at that as well. And there's many types of long-term care insurance policies. Some of them are hybrid where they have a life insurance death benefit in case you don't use the care. So there's no one size fits all, right? And so you need to come up with a game plan and this needs to be a part of your overall retirement plan, how we're going to address that risk down the road. And if it costs $10,000 a month now, and you're 60 years old, in 30 years when you're 90, what are those costs going to be? Are they going to be triple or quadruple the cost today? So we have to make some assumptions of what that cost is going to be in the future. Again, really, really good question here. And be sure to bring this conversation up in your next meeting with your retirement planner. That's the last question of the day here. We'll do one more episode before year end questions from listeners of the Retirement Made Easy podcast. So look forward to that next episode. I hope you enjoyed today's show. And remember, always dream big.
The opinions voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, please consult your attorney, tax advisor, or financial advisor prior to investing. This is a hypothetical example and is not representative of any specific investment. Your results may vary. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices mentioned are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. The SmartVestor program is a directory of investment professionals. Neither Dave Ramsey nor SmartVestor are affiliates of St. Louis Retirement Advisors or LPL financial. There is no guarantee that a diversified portfolio will enhance overall returns or outperform a non-diversified portfolio. Diversification does not protect against market risk. All investing involves risk, including loss of principal. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, Memra FINRA, SIPC. Thank you for listening to the show today. Check us out at our website, retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. And if you want some help from Greg, submit your questions at the bottom of the page or sign up for a 30-minute retirement coaching session with Greg. We'll see you next week.